this is the fourth message about the law. I'm not for sure. It could be the fifth. But, um, you know, the Old Testament law was how they related or had a relationship with God, depending on how well they did. They knew that good thing, you do good, good things would happen. If you did bad or didn't keep up with the law, bad things would happen. And so uh, I'm thankful for our covenant. I'm thankful for the covenant that we have that we're not under the law, but we're under grace. And I know we teach a lot of grace here, and this is the reason, because grace is Jesus. And uh, I know sometimes people think, well, it just seems like if we really have a drumbeat of grace, that you're giving people a license to sin. And I've said this so many times, people are sinning without a license pretty well. And... uh, But I just really believe this is what I know. I know not everybody, even in this church, has a revelation of the grace of the the gospel. Just because you hear something doesn't mean it can be between your ears but not in your heart. And the reason I know that, 10 or 12 years ago, if someone would have asked me, do you know about grace? I would have stood up on my feet and been ready to duke it out and say, you better believe I understand and have a knowledge or revelation of grace. And then about six months later, I found out I knew zip about grace when the Lord started to open up my eyes to understand and have a revelation of grace. So this is my, I pray for you all a lot. I pray that your eyes would open up. To understand, do I know all about grace? Absolutely not. But I do know one thing. I know more about grace today than I did 10 years ago. I know more about grace today than I did a year ago. It's a journey. And this is the thing. The more you understand about grace, the the more you will know and understand about the character of who God is. This is why it's important. I mean extremely important. But uh, as far as... Having a license to sin, Romans 6, 1 and 2 says this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So that's the answer. Grace is, Paul was preaching grace to the degree that people say, hey, so we can just keep on sinning? He goes, absolutely not. First of all, You won't be just going about sinning and living in sin and coming under the dominion of sin because you're dead to it. You're dead to sin. And then in Romans chapter 7, verse 4, it says, So, my brothers and sisters, you are also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. He says, you're you're dead to the law, and one of the main reasons we need to know this is so you can bear fruit for God. You're dead to the law so you can bear fruit. If you are alive unto the law and living by the law, you will not bear fruit. Or it would be very little, or it would be fruit that just doesn't make sense to you. He's saying that you've died to the authority of the law. 
And like we did on communion, you also died to the authority of sickness. You also died to the authority of poverty and lack over your life. You've died to that authority, that poverty. Everything under Deuteronomy 28 had dominion over us, which was spirit, soul, and body, which was your whatever you put your hand to, which was the land, whatever you grew, their agricultural business was their livelihood. That all came under the curse. And because Jesus bore the curse, he says, you are no longer under the authority of sickness, disease, poverty, and lack, or anything to do with the curse. So we died to all of that. I said, we died to all of that. We're dead to that. So when you struggle, listen to me, when you struggle financially, you need to rise up and say, you know what? I'm dead to poverty and lack. You got to face that and say something about it in your heart. Why? So you can get it from your head to drop down into your heart. And somebody asked, I was teaching this at, uh, at Karis, and somebody asked a great question. They said, well, how do I know when it's in my heart? I said two things. That was a great question. First of all, you know when it's in your heart is because when you live it out with your actions, and also it changes the way that you speak and talk about that subject. And I'm not talking about on Sunday morning. Everybody can fake it on Sunday morning. Let's just be, get real. How you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. And, you know, I hear that all the time. How are you? I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm above and not beneath. But how are you? Are you responding like that on Wednesday when your boss chews you out? Hmm. Hmm. When you have a flat tire or your, or your car breaks down, your refrigerator goes out, and your washing machine doesn't, starts leaking all over the floor. I mean, just, it's just like boom, 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 boom. What comes out of your mouth then? Because that's what's really in your heart. That's what's really in your heart. Oh, that stupid blankety, blankety, blankety thing. I'm telling you what. Pastor calls you. Yeah, hey, I'm blessed and highly favored. No, I don't think so. Grace. It will empower you. It will empower you. This is why I want us to get this. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. This is an awesome scripture. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. What's appeared? The grace of God. It teaches us. What is the it there? I know I have to struggle. I mean, I, I, I didn't do well in English in, in Kentucky. I mean, I re- matter of fact, I made D's. And God called me to preach. But anyway, using the English language. that, But I know it is referring to the subject there is grace. So you can say grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and world passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So it's grace that will cause you to have victory over everything in your life, including sin, and you can read it like this. Grace teaches you to say no to uh, not only ungodliness, it teaches you to say no to sickness and disease. It teaches you to say no to poverty and lack. It teaches you to say no anything under the curse. Grace will do that for you. Oh, my, 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 my. You see, it was grace that we have in Christ 
means that we are to depend on Christ in us to live a righteous life. Grace will do that. It empowers you to live right. It empowers you to say no to the ungodly things. And it will even cause you to say no when sickness will try to come on your body. I was with Jan and Janet and Ed, the, they, her brother passed away. I did the funeral, just a handful of us there. And, and one of the relatives, uh, you know, he, he said he had a cold or whatever. But he says, you know, I'm all right and everything. And, and I shook his hand. And after I shook his hand, the thought came into me, all those germs are all over your body now. It's amazing. I'm getting, ready. I'm getting ready to speak. It's amazing what the devil will tell you. And just here I am thinking, what? So I just shook it off by that night. I was sneezing. Up a storm. I felt my face and it felt warm. I mean, just that quick. And you know what I did? I go, no, 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 no. I will not let a cold or any kind of virus come on my body in the name of Jesus. I say no to it in Jesus' name. I reject it. Wow. What caused that to happen? How do you have the ability? That's why the, the religious people said, how can Jesus speak with such authority? It was the grace of God inside of him that caused him to speak up. It's the grace of God that will rise up within you to say no to sin, no to sickness, no to poverty. You reject it. That's grace will cause you to do that. But if, it, if you're living under the law, honey, oh, I got to do better. I got to get my faith. I would have sneezed 12 times and gone, I, I had bad thoughts today. And, you know, I just, I should have, I, I should have, I would have, I could have, but I didn't have. Yeah. I would have been reaching for the NyQuil and pouring it all over me. It will cause you to sleep. I do know that. <laughs> Another way, let, listen to this statement. Another way of saying this is that obedience to God is an expression of Christ in us, of our identity in him and our love for him because he first loved us. We're so concerned that we got to obey Christ, which is true. But you always get the cart before the horse if this is your main objective. I got to obey. I've got to obey. No, I got to get a hold of grace and have a revelation of grace because the grace of God will cause me to obey the word of God. But if you are so dog-eared, bulldog determined that I got, I'm going to obey, I'm going to do everything you say, you'll be just like Peter. I'll never forsake you. You'll hear a rooster crow in your backyard, and you don't even have chickens. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. This is the message translation. It says, are you tired, worn out? It sounds like a commercial on TV. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? This should be on TV. I'm telling you what. It's better than any drug they want to sell you. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. 
Man, that is such a powerful statement. It's the word of God. The unforced rhythms of grace. What does he mean by that? If you've, I tell you what, the majority of my life I've lived in religion. <laughs> Until just about the last 10 or 12 years of my life. November, 30 years we've been in full-time. Melody and I, I quit FedEx and she quit nursing 30 years ago this month. We went to Africa 30 years ago. I, I thought of that last week and I went, wait a minute, 30? Feels like I should just be about 45. So it was I 50? I must have been 15 when we went. But anyway, uh, and got married when I was 12. But <laughs> don't you mind thinking like that? There's no way I could have been doing this for 30 years. But we've been doing this for 30 years, full-time ministry. Full time, which means no secular job whatsoever, just relying, depending upon God to take care of us. 30 years. And so the majority of that 30 years, the majority of that, I battled to try to please God and work for God and, and live for God and, and please him and fail and try to please him and fail and work harder and fail. And it, it's exactly what this says. Are you tired and worn out? Yes. Are you burned out? Yes, yes. I mean, everything, I mean, it's just like, yeah, no, not just yes, but I mean, amen, yes. I mean, glory to God, yes, yes. Just can't do this anymore. I can't, I'm not cut out for this. I'm not cut out to be perfect. There's some people that may be cut out to be perfect. I'm just not one of them. I don't dot my eyes and cross my teeth. It's just really bad and it's really tough. And it's just really hard. I said, God, it's really hard down here on this planet, just so you know. He says, yeah, I was there in case you didn't know. So he knows. And that's why he came. Because he knew we couldn't do it. He knew we couldn't live it. He just knew that. And so he wants to impart his grace, his love into your life. So that you can rest in knowing that Jesus did it for you. Does it give you? See, this is where we miss it. Oh, so I don't have to do anything. You better get a hold. This is what it says at the very end of this verse. It says, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Keep company with me. You have to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to have a relationship with him. You have to get to know him. And the more you get to know him, the more your eyes pop open to the grace of God, to the revelation of how much he loves you. And once that begins to happen, the very end, it says, you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I mean, I've been tempted this week. Every morning, you know, they're eight hours ahead of us in Africa where Melody is. And I, I, I would text her. So I would text her and say, boat, question mark. Response. Sometimes quite a bit later. And, and uh, you know, it's got to go halfway around the world. So, no. And so my heart would just go. In the first couple of days, I mean, I would just get, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? But I have to get up. The Bible says this. This is what the word of God says. This is why you have to get things in your heart. Cast all your care upon God. 
because he cares for you. So I said, Lord, you know, I know, I know you understand that we're married and that she's way over there, 10,000 miles away, and I need her home, just so you know. But I know that God knows. Listen to me. I understand my father wants to work this out greater than me. So I cast it on him. I cast that care upon him because he cares for me. He cares for Mike Davis. You have to know that he cares for you. He cares for you. He's not just a Sunday God. He's a God that's in, he's, he wants to be involved in your finances. He wants to be involved in your relationships. He wants to be involved in every decision you make. He wants to be involved in your life. Keep company with me. And if you do that, he says, you'll learn to live freely. And not only freely, but you'll learn to live lightly. It just makes you want to skip through the daisies. <laughs> Galatians 2.19. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. In other words, he says, if you can gain anything through the law, he said, then Jesus died in vain. And so people are trying to live by the law, trying to live by do's and don'ts. And what they don't realize, you're causing Jesus to be dead in vain. He's saying that it's for righteousness. The grace, I do not set aside. We, you and I, from time to time, will set aside the grace that's in us. We just set it aside and just, without thinking, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to set aside the grace of God. I'm going to do it. I like the, the King James Version says, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. And the life that I now live by, I live by the faith of the Son of God, not in the Son of God, which if you study the Greek, that is the correct translation. I live by, I don't live by my faith. How's your faith? I think God's faith is doing pretty good. Everybody agree to that? Everybody think God's faith is doing pretty good? The King James Version says, you know, that's the way Jesus spoke. King James Version. That is such a terrible joke. Nobody even laughs at that anymore. <laughs> they laugh at how bad a joke it really is. But it's, I don't live by faith in God. Then it would be my faith. I live by the faith of God. That's a big difference. It's a big difference. I have, you have God's faith inside of you. Listen to me. The same faith that caused Jesus to walk on the water. The same faith that caused Lazarus to come from the dead. The same faith that caused the blinded eyes to be opened. The same faith that caused the deaf ears to be opened. It's the same faith of Jesus in you and me today. It's not a different faith. It is the same faith. And it's in you and me. We just got to be confident. It can't be between our ears. It has to be in our heart. And the reason I know it's not in our heart is just because of the way we talk. When something happens to you, 
I knew it would happen like that. It's flu season. Yeah, I always get it. COVID. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I just, it's, just, it's just what it is. You know, that's life. And guess what? That is your life. That will be your life. But your spiritual man is saying something totally different than what's coming out of your mouth. I said your spiritual man is saying, I died for you. By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. You are redeemed from the curse of COVID, the flu, of every cold. You don't need to catch a cold. You need to bypass the cold. Oh, I caught a cold. You know, I used to play baseball and softball a lot. You catch it. It's, you have to physically go after it. You catch it. Oh, great catch, Mike. Man, I had to jump off my feet. I had to dive. I caught it. I did something to catch it. You shouldn't be doing that to catch a cold. People catch it. Oh, yeah, I caught it. Well, why did you catch it? You know, if I didn't want to catch the ball. Oh, yeah. Why didn't you catch it? I didn't want to catch that ball. I saw the guy. He was picking his nose, and he wiped the ball. I didn't want to catch that ball. No, I'm kidding, kidding. I'm just a bad guy. I couldn't come up with any other reason why not to catch a ball. But anyway, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I probably shouldn't have said it. But anyway, I didn't want to catch that ball. So you just go like that, and it's really easy. It's pretty easy. You just let it bypass you, and the ball goes flying by. And you go, yeah, he'll catch it. Let that guy catch it behind me. We need to have, listen to me, we need to have that mentality when it comes to a cold. Oh, man, you sneeze, somebody goes, are you trying to catch a cold? No. Don't, people say that. Maybe you've said that. Are you trying to catch a cold? Yeah, I'm trying to catch it. I want it. I'm trying to catch it. I'm doing my best to get it. Yes, sir. Really? You'll get it. You will get it. No, you just say, no, I'm not trying to catch a cold because I'm not catching a cold. I don't catch stuff like that. I don't catch colds. I don't catch COVID. I don't catch the flu. Well, yeah, I just let it pass. I let it pass. I let it pass. I let it pass. Oh, Galatians. Did I, did I finish reading that? Yeah, I did. All right. Paul said to Timothy, but we know that I, I'm going to try to cut some time out. Paul said to Timothy, but we know, this is 1 Timothy 1.8, but we know that the law is good if a man uses it lawfully. So you don't do away with the law. You don't do away with the old covenant. We have revelation, symbolism, things that we have to learn from the old covenant. But Paul says you need to use the law correctly. And to do that, that's when people say, well, I'm good enough. I don't kill people. I don't do anything bad. I'm good enough. Really? Let me tell you what the standard is, my friend. And then you go into the law. Over 600 laws in the old covenant. If you're going to think that you're good enough and that you don't need Jesus, then let's go through the law. See if you can check mark off 600 laws. I don't think so. Most people can't even get to 10, much less 600. So this is using the law correctly. And this is to point people in the world that you can't keep the law. That's why we need a Savior. So... Real quick. Oh, my goodness. John 10, 4 through 9. This is talking about the great shepherd. And when he was brought out, all his sheep, he walks ahead of them, the shepherd does, and they will follow him, for they are familiar with his voice. They will run away from strangers and never follow them. 
because they know it's the voice of a stranger. Jesus told the Pharisees this parable, even though they didn't understand a word of what he meant. So Jesus went over it again. I speak to you eternal truth. I am the gate for the flock. All those who broke in before me are thieves who came to steal, but the sheep never listened to them. I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. Now, the sheep were kept in a pen with uh, some kind of fencing around to keep them in there. Jesus said, I'm going to lead them out with my voice. And if you look at the word voice in the Greek, it means literally not just voice. It means teaching. Listen. Jesus is going to call his sheep out because they know his teaching. They know his teaching. And if they know his teaching, they will follow him. And they won't follow the voice of some other strange teaching. They'll follow his teaching. And his teaching will lead them to green pastures. Mm. I said his teaching will lead you from green pastures. The fence represented the law, bounding them, causing them to be bound. He says, I'm, gonna, I'm the gate. I'm going to open up the gate, and you come out of the old covenant, out of the law, and I will teach you, or t- teach you and take you to open pastures where there are no boundaries or fences. Oh, my goodness. All right. So the shepherd's leading us out of the pen. Amen. Let me go over this real quick. After the resurrection, Jesus was walking with two of his disciples. And they didn't recognize him. Luke 24, 25. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Listen, it's called the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Jesus went to the first five books of the Bible and he started telling them things concerning Jesus. Did you notice he didn't tell them? This is one of the most important times. He didn't tell them the do's and don'ts of the old covenant. He told them things concerning Jesus. Himself concerning Jesus. And so, this is one side note. You can preach the scriptures and not be preaching the gospel. Think about that. They didn't understand or not, they didn't perceive it was Jesus. And you know why? 1 Corinthians 2.14. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. It's still the same way today. Jesus is inside of us. You can have truth come to you. But if you don't, if you don't spiritually discern it, it will just be knowledge between your ears. I don't have time to go into this. But, uh, but this, is why, this is why we come to church. This is why we have the preaching of the gospel. Two things that Jesus said to the, those two disciples. He said you were foolish, which means you just don't have the knowledge, do you? And then he says, uh, you don't believe. You didn't believe. Even though you knew it, you're foolish and you don't know. And you're not believing. Two things. It's the same today. We're either ignorant and foolish and don't have the knowledge. Or we don't believe in our heart. 
And let me tell you, there's times that I thought I believed in my heart and it was just between my head. But again, the way that you can tell what you believe in your heart is how you live your life and what comes out of your mouth. It will tell on you. Out of the abundance of the mouth, of the heart, the mouth leaks. (laughs) Spiritual things have to be discerned, discerned, have to be... They have to be figured out. <laughs> Let me give you that. I believe this is, this is just my opinion, okay? He went through the Pentateuch. I believe he did this story. Exodus chapter 21, 1 through 6, real quick. I'm five minutes over. These are the regulations you must present to Israel. If you buy a Hebrew slave, he may serve for no more than six years. A slave could only be a slave for six years. Set him free in the seventh year, and he will owe you nothing for his freedom. If he was single when he became your slave, he shall leave single. But if he was married before he became a slave, then his wife must be freed with him. If the master gave him a wife while he was a slave, and they had sons and daughters, then only the man will be free in the seventh year, but his wife and children will still belong to the master. But the slave may declare, listen to me, this is Jesus right here. This is Jesus. This is a picture of him, man. But if the slave declare, I love my master, my wife, my children, I don't want to go free. If he does this, his master must present him before God. Then his master must take him to the door or doorpost and publicly pierce his ear with an awl. Or his hands and feet will be pierced to the door, the cross. After that. The slave will serve his master for life. Now, I know we serve God. That's a typical thing. But what we don't understand is Jesus also came to serve. He came to serve. And he wants you and I to get into the mentality that he still will serve you and me today. Hmm. I know that's, that's kind of hard to swallow because it sounds, you know, Jesus, we should serve him. He shouldn't serve. No, I believe this is a picture of Jesus. And listen, that really means my time's up. People said alarm now. It's getting ridiculous. I mean, in case you didn't know, I'm just saying. Actually, I got an extra hour. I'm still on daylight savings time. So anyway, are you ready for the second one? Listen to me. John 1.17. For the law was given through Moses. The law was through who? Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Truth is on the side of grace. What Moses gave was the truth. But the truth that is Jesus Christ. It came on the side of grace. Listen to me. You remember why, you know, Moses couldn't go into the promised land? This is so good. Listen to me. Moses couldn't go into the promised land. I always thought that was really terrible. I mean, he struck the rock, water came out right before. This wasn't long. Some theologians, I think, says it was just like a year or less before he was going to go into the promised land. So God says, you can't go into the promised land. You mean dealing with these people for 40 years? Give me a break. 
Moses represented, listen to me, the law. (laughs) The law cannot take you into the promised land. But Joshua, you know what his name means? Jesus is salvation. That's what his name means. Joshua took the people into the promised land. The law cannot take you into the promises of God. But the Lord Jesus Christ not only can take you, he will lead you into the promises. Man. The law is true, but it doesn't set you free. The law says, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. The gospel says, put shoes on your feet. Look it up in Luke chapter 15. It's the the prodigal son. I don't have time to go into that story. I love that story. Prodigal son runs away from home, takes all of his dad's savings, spends it all. And when he comes back, his dad says, let's throw him a party. Put a robe on him, put a ring on him, and put shoes on his feet. The law says, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. The new covenant says, I prepared that clothe you not only with a robe but I'll put shoes on you I'll put a ring on you we'll have a party that's the gospel that's the new covenant we can receive all the good that we don't deserve because Jesus received all the bad that he didn't deserve this is why it's a good deal it's called grace We receive more. People say, well, you don't deserve that. Absolutely. That is so true. But because of grace, I get it. You get it. You get to receive it because of grace. Let's stand. Hallelujah. So this is what needs to be in your heart. And I do know this. Just because I knew about healing five years ago doesn't mean it's in my heart today. You know, it's easy to deceive yourself. There's truth just because, and this is why I think it's important to come to church. Because it just needs to be stirred up inside you. Paul said to uh, Timothy or Peter, Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you. There's things that need to be stirred up in you and me. And a pastor, God gives him a big paddle. And this is what he's supposed to do. Everything that's going in you, I just need to stir it up so it's not just in your mind, it's in your heart, so it will be manifested in your flesh and in your life. Mm. Thank God for the church. Thank God for his gifts. Thank God for the body of Christ. It's going to cause us to be above and not to be beneath. And it will cause you and me to speak truth when everybody else says the ship's going down because the, bo- the boat's full of water. It's supposed to sink. Not my boat. Because Jesus is in my boat. It can't go under. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for your goodness, for your gospel. May it just overflow out of us. May we speak truth. Because of your grace, may we speak the very words of Jesus, not because we're just being religious, but that's what's in us. That is part of our foundation. May we speak truth and life and grace to our friends, our spouse, our relatives, even to strangers on the street. 
May everything be seasoned with the grace of Almighty God so that people may know that God loves them. Father, I just believe for grace to come alive in each and every person, those who are watching as well, that they won't just know about grace, but they'll have a revelation. They'll know to say no, that everything that is not of God, whether it's sin, poverty, lack, sickness, or disease, they will have a revelation that they have authority to say no to those things. In Jesus' name, amen.